Welcome to another episode of The Breaks Radio. I am one of your hosts, CEO Hayes. I'm joined uh, by... <laughs> oh, God. If you guys only got a, a sneak behind the pre-production meetings that go on in this damn show, like, <laughs> everybody's canceled. But first, let's introduce Miss Mary Almonte. What's going on? Hey, guys. Oh, <laughs> I can't. <laughs> then we got Mr. Baylor, the great BTG. What's up, bro? It doesn't matter if you're black or white. <laughs> Classic oh, song. Man. And, and then we also got the Red Ron connoisseur himself, Mr. Marquis, in the building. When Jesus. <laughs> Dude, the Nate Turner of that shit. The Nate, the Nate Turner of podcasting. Um, <laughs> we got some shit to talk about this week. So first off, oh man, Logic apparently is not as retired as we originally thought. Baylor Crown Logic's retirement album, one of the best retirement albums and one of the best albums of last year. But it seems that Logic is maybe switching things up. MF Doom just passed away and it seems like Logic is ready to pick up the mantle with a new supervillain type character. And he has a new album that is either out already or is going to be coming out called Planetary Destruction. Baylor, just because I know you love Logic's last album, I'm actually going to come to you first on this one. What do you think about this news? I think I think it's dope. Um, that's a clever move because, like like we said, you know, when cats say they they come out and say they're going to retire, we don't necessarily believe them uh, because it's hard for you to stay away from the game. So I think it's a clever move. Um, I'm surprised that he was the only one that actually did it like that. Um, but I'm here for it. I'm a fan of Logic, you know what I mean? So I don't have a problem with it. I mean, it's, he's not the only rapper to have an alternate ego. You know, <laughs> J. Cole has Kill Edward. At one point after Jay-Z retired, I don't know if you guys remembered or not, but he seemed like he was going to have an alter ego. I think it was called Angelus. Do you guys remember that one at all when he released the song uh, under that title? So, um it, it, people have done this before, but not to this length. So, I mean, shout out to Logic there. Marquis, what do you think? You might want to let Mary go first because okay. I got a lot to say about this. All right, Mary, go ahead. Yes, wise choice because I have very little to say about this one. <laughs> Meh. I mean, okay. I, it's not surprising. I didn't think he was really retired when he said he was going to. I tend to really dislike this strategy. It's like... <laughs> Don't tell me you're going to retire. It's like almost attention-seeking or whatever. Like, I don't know. So it is, it's annoying for me, but whatever. I guess I'll check out whatever he does next. All right, fair enough, so, Marky. I mean, let's be real. Jay-Z said he was going to retire, too, and came back. So I'm going to leave that. Um, Bailey, you said the mantle. So to me, <clears throat> for him picking up the mantle is like someone else picking up Thor's hammer. He shouldn't try to do that shit. I, I heard that. I, 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 I didn't personally say that, but I heard that. I, w- I wouldn't say I wouldn't say I, I disagree with it. I would just say I wouldn't I wouldn't expect him to be the first one to attempt to pick up Thor's hammer. Mm. I mean I don't, I don't think he's not worthy, 
Uh-huh. But because of what because of what Joe Budden did to him, and what be, and because of how Charlamagne talk about him, of course a lot of people are going to, you know, not like it. So, here's you know. here's something that I want to pick up, and Mark, you not to step on you. I know you got a lot to say. So so I know you, Bailey. You just mentioned what Charlemagne did to him and Joe Budden did to him. I want to take this back to somebody who's Logic's peer in Eminem. A lot of criticism now to Eminem comes down at now revisionist criticism comes down to the he aimed a lot of bars at people who weren't going to respond on wax. So are we are we or is are we knocking Logic for not really on wax coming back at Charlemagne and a retired Joe Budden in a time where. He was close to the end of his career, and what did he really have to gain from from coming at though at either one of those two? Nothing at all, because you know I already know Char- Charlemagne might dismiss it, you know, on the podcast. And Button already said that he's not. He said he's not coming out of retirement for anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what I mean. So it's it's pretty much pointless at this. At but at the same time, these are the same two cats who does have a lot of influence. Okay. So. All right, fair enough, fair enough. Marquis, kicking it back to you. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's no need for him to respond. It's not like it's a battle. It's more of, oh, you said something about me, I'm going to respond to you. It's it's not not a on wax type of thing, so that's not that. So, again, I heard the album um, almost in its entirety. I just couldn't get through it. When he said, lyrically, I'm Zach Galifianakis, I should have stopped listening right there. <laughs> and that was on his second track. Um, and... I'm not really a, a Logic fan. Um, <clears throat> it's it, I don't have anything against him. It's just too much all the time, and it's nothing to me. You know what I mean? Like, it's just just rapping. That's all it is to me. And, you know, he's a shade whiter, so he gets to say nigga a lot, and I guess a lot of white people can identify with that and say, oh, I wish I could do that too, maybe. Um, there's a reason why Apple didn't pick up this shit, um, and it's only on Dat Piff. That says a lot right there, especially because he's a Def Jam artist. Um, it sounded like an up-tempo Bobby Digital album without soul. Mm. And it had Ghostface on it and a few other, you know, De La Funky and Will Sapiens. I don't know if that was more for credibility, but it's, oh my God. I mean, yeah, Wu-Tang on, on one of his albums. So. And that, mm-hmm. was, that was more an homage to Wu-Tang, just for mm-hmm. credibility. It felt like credibility. It just, you know what, I can get but Wu-Tang. The, but I take it as the fact that they were they, they were willing to do that. Those are some niggas that just, they just don't jump out of the gate for anybody. This is very true. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Like, that, I, I that see hate. Ghostface and Ray on a lot of people albums that shouldn't. I, I don't. I don't see them as. Let me just do this for a check. To no. me. To me. To it's me. That's why. Bad. That's why I never really understood. So, that's why I never okay. understood the backlash because the nigga got a lot of respect in the game. From artists, from his well, I wouldn't say from his peer, from older artists. Okay, strategically, if someone in the industry that's on Def Jam said, "Let me get all the Wu Tang on," and it bangs, I can see another Wu Tang album coming out of that. That's more of a strategic alliance, you know what I mean? Especially after the documentary with Wu Tang and everything, I can see how that would be a vessel to bring another Wu Tang album out if it bangs. We didn't hear anything after that. I heard the song. I heard it on the, I think it was two albums ago. We heard nothing. There was no buzz about it at all. And that's why I think it was in a Wu-Tang album. The, I'm sorry. The album is not an MF Doom album at all. Like, it's nowhere to date. This. Mm. But, what was it, what, but what was the point about the Wu-Tang? 
my point was if I was the Rizzo and I wanted to get the group back together uh-huh. and get the group back in the masses, if Logic created a song and he's on Def Jam and he has an audience, this is a really good introduction or a reintroduction to the group for that audience. Uh-huh. You get what I'm saying? I think that would be a great vessel to say, you know what, all of Wu-Tang get on this track and dominate this track with this one guy who's paying homage to us that has an audience and there's some buzz that we might drop an album after this. That's my point with that one. But uh, I'm sorry. I, uh, you know, and, I, and I'll say this. It's not like he's lyrically bad. Again, he's not. He actually has some lyrics, but I don't know where he was going with this one. I, and I go back to that Zach, Zach Galifianakis verse. Lyrically, I'm Zach Galifianakis. I Bro, but I mean, let's I let's mean, put uh, that let's put that that verse in perspective. That wasn't meant to be a lyrical in exercise. Like it was meant to be a joke, bro. Come on, man. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, okay. Marquise, we lived in a time when someone said, "I get computers puked." <laughs> Come on, bro. Like at this point, we're just nitpicking that shit because honestly, y'all listen to what Charlemagne said. Y'all listen to what Joe Budden said. That's all it is. And because they said, I get tired of him talking about him being biracial, now it's like, oh yeah, I'm tired of hearing it too. Bro, I'm just listening to great music. I thought his last album was phenomenal for what it was. You know what I'm saying? And I didn't even know he was still signed to Dev Jam. I thought he was independent. That last time was um, he's not on the team anymore. I know. I I thought he was off of Def Jam a while ago. He probably used him for a distribution deal, right? Possibly, possibly. So I'm like, look, I mean, look, I get it though. It's too late now. It's too late for him to like, you know, change people's minds. It's over. Whoever his core fans is, that's who it is. You know what I mean? I feel like at this point, he can't even do. I mean, if he even did a track with Jay Z, they still gonna be like, ah. All right, whatever. So, okay, that's fair. Again, I'm not a... Those people who say Logic is like he's going to ride off of that. No, I actually listen to the content. I listen to what he's saying. I listen to where the album's going. Again, I'm not... not he has bars, but this album... I don't know. It sounded like um, some of Ghostface... Matter of fact, Ghostface, the, I don't know if it was the album, two albums, uh, two albums ago. It was similar to that production and some of the the, the characterization that um, Ghostface created. And it wasn't a last, it wasn't a Brown album. It was an album before that. It sounded like that. You can see there was a lot of um 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 inspiration from that, and obviously MF Doom and everything like that. But again, I I, I didn't like it. Fair okay, enough. fair enough. All right. Um, with as far as like what I I don't know. We need. I think we need to allow artists to be more experimental. I get it. It may not be for us. It's it, it's weird, especially considering he was retired. But the thing is, what creatives are going to create. Like like he he's been on YouTube since he retired. And if this is something that got him back into music, and he just felt like making. You know that may explain why it dropped on that piff rather than is is mass distributed. Maybe he didn't want it to be. If this was something that he just wanted to put out just because it was music that he felt like making, let him get have the lane to do that. Maybe you'll find an, an audience for it. it. It wasn't I didn't listen to the album yet, but I don't think that it's gonna be my type of vibe. Just hearing Marquis talk about it and reading some of the shit. But you know, I mean have fun. Have fun. My favorite rapper has several alter egos, so you know it is what it is. 
Garth Brooks? No. Look, Garth, Garth Brooks. Listen, I'm telling you, Garth Brooks, if he ever comes out spitting some bars, I would not be. No, let me stop. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're moving on to the next topic. Master P. I put on here upset. Upset may be too much, uh, too strong of a word, but Master P mentioned how uh, Clubhouse got a $1 billion valuation. And he, of course, Master P, who's somebody, you know, it's been a theme in this podcast for a while now. We talk about owning our own, keeping our own within the culture. And, you know, we do make a lot of brands huge. And I don't know about you guys. Maybe it's just curated to my likes. But when I see Clubhouse, a lot of the bigger Clubhouse rooms are focus on something in black culture whether it be sports whether it be music um and so talking about that we 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 made another one goal billion dollars what do you guys think about that what do you what do you think uh mary i'll come to you first because i already know marquis is gonna go the fuck off on it because these topics always get marquis going the fuck off so mary i'll come to you first on this one i mean i think I think it's being preached time and again that, you know, ownership is key, right? And it's sort of like, when will we learn, right? Like, I mean, first of all, I think there's a few people, and I'm not going to say the term I want to say for these people, um, that are kind of accountable for this, right? Like, Joe Button, 21 Savage. Like, these dudes, do they have, like, shares in Clubhouse? Because... They live there, and I feel like they definitely brought a lot of people over. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think that it starts at the top. Our influential, you know, members of the culture need to really be conscious of the decisions that they make and what they support and what they bring the rest of the culture onto. Because, like you said, I mean, we basically made this (laughs) – a billion dollar company and we don't own enough billion dollar companies ourselves. And we easily could have. Mm-hmm. If somebody would go and make a clubhouse right now, that's influential enough. Everyone would hop off of the actual clubhouse and go to the culture's clubhouse. Fuck it. Call it that the culture's clubhouse. That's what we need. And what, what's well, make, what well. highlights that point so much more is that clubhouse has been around for like two years. Mm-hmm. Right. And the fact that it's popping off now, when some when people like Joe Button and prominent people are on it, I think says a lot. Go ahead, Baylor. Well, I was about to to, to Mary's point. There actually is a culture pod, uh app for us. It's called the Cookout. So, which I was <laughs> I was just told about a couple of days ago. And not only is there the Cookout, but there's a Cookout 2.0. Mm. But there's this is the problem. I don't think people are going to leave. I don't think the people are going to leave Clubhouse to go to the cookout unless the people who got Clubhouse rocking yeah. goes to the cookout. To Mary. I eat Joe Button and 21 Savage. Y'all exactly. need to go to the exactly. cookout and bring and, everybody with you. And this is where I this is where I understand Master Peep's frustration is that, yo, we've been here. You know what I mean? It's like nobody is trying to come together to create our own. And it seems like every time we look up, every every other year, is Master P trying to do this. This nigga trying to build an all-black dealership. He's trying to make noodles or some shit like that. But nobody else is, you know. We, we had LL and Ice Cube for a minute. And it's like, you know, I remember when Diddy and, and Steph Curry was thinking about buying the Panthers. It's like, I don't, and, and then it just goes away. Yeah. 
even in the podcast game, bro, we have so many cats under one umbrella, but we have 50 million different networks, and we know all of them motherfuckers is not popping. Yet and still, we have all the talent in the world, but we not forming like Votron. I don't, it blows my For mind. real. I mean, I think we're going to get, well, I intend to get into that a little bit later when we do our film review, but... I think that we as a culture need to really dis- declare who we are as a culture and then kind of agree that we're going to throw our support behind things that fit into that criteria. You got the We culture. got too much of the crab in a bucket mentality. And that, that's what needs to be addressed first. Before we create any platform, before we create anything and try to get people, like-minded people together, we need to deal with the crab in the bucket mentality that is inherent in black culture. And that's still, you know, I know we joked before we started recording, but that still goes back in my in my head to 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 slave mentality who can get the favor of the master if you can get the favor of the master you don't want anybody else getting close to that favor because then you feel like it take it challenges your spot as long as we keep that mentality in this culture we we can only go so far we can only have so many billion dollar companies we can only have so many people who are going to make money because everyone wants to fight over the same little bit rather than us expand what we have so everybody can get their little piece but to your okay, so hey, let me ask you personally: Do you know more crabs than uh, personal potentials? Absolutely. I know more crabs who think they're in leadership potential, leadership positions that then fuck up the shit for everyone else, and then they end up having people under them that think that they're in in with somebody who's actually going to lead, and really they're just a, they're just a crab in the bucket. I post on Twitter every now and then. I'll post like four pictures of, you know, old hip hop pictures. And it amazes me how you look at the history of, you know, Biggie Smalls and uh, a Easy E, uh, DMX, and the Locks or something like that. And you see these old pictures of them through, going throughout their career and stuff like that. The, the content that they created, the influence that they have. And and we still don't own our own culture. Mm-hmm. That's crazy to me, bro. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, Marquis, go oh, ahead, man. Take I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna need my 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 Negro spirits remove music in the background. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So no, check this, <clears throat> and I'm, I'm gonna try to keep this as light as possible. So, to your point, ninety five percent of people do not know how to run a business. At the end of the day, you don't know how to make the right decisions. Put the emotion out the, of the equation, creating a logo, it's going to be, you know, you're going to use your emotion to say, this is the logo I want. It's not about that. It's about what the people need. So only 5% of the people know how to be an entrepreneur, know what it takes to be successful. So that's the number one. And then black people aren't taught that. Again, it goes back to, to you know, everything, slavery, segregation, everything. Um, to address something, to play devil's advocate, well, let me address Joe Budden. I thought Joe Budden would have learned after the whole Spotify situation Knowing to create your own platform. I have no idea what the fuck happened. It's like he learned a lesson, forgot the lesson, and went back to slavery. Like, you're on the field, you know how to buy a house, but you go back into the field. I don't understand that mentality. Well, um, unless he's getting something out of this He may be. Deal, he I may be. He, has to be. he could have created his own. He could have created his own. When Clubhouse was at, where we got it, Clubhouse wasn't there yet. He could have created his own platform. He could have got people to say, you know what? This is great, everybody. Follow me on my platform now. But he's well, hopefully he may have something like that in the work. <laughs> he's there every fucking morning. He spends more time there. You know, that's one. That's a fact. Two, that's a fact. So, <laughs> let's address another thing, Billy. You said 
the reason we we try to buy things, we never get anywhere. There's a reason why that doesn't happen. We don't hear about it. Be real. Beyonce and them try to buy the Rockets. Why didn't they get that? They weren't allowed to for some reason. We didn't hear nothing about it. Every time someone blacks, like, you know, Bill Cosby, even tried, he tried to buy NBC. Oh, something always happens. We don't hear the full story. Ice Cube. sold the Masters. Ice Cube. You see what I'm saying? Lil Wayne sold the Masters for, for his whole fucking crew for $100 million. We don't know the full story. So I'm not going to knock us because of that, because our information is going to come out there. But there's a reason why we're not allowed to advance and be billionaires. There's something blocking us. And the information, of course, is behind the scenes. I mean, I can go and tell you that the, the Matrix was created by a black woman in the 70s who sued for billions. You see what I'm saying? But nobody heard that story either. The same thing with the Terminator. Again, there's a reason why we're not going to advance as a culture. But back to this point, Master P, he's, he's right. Like, yo, when are we going to stop doing this shit? And the first time we got on Clubhouse, I had this conversation with Mary. Like, yo, why are we doing this for them? I found out who the owner is, who the partners were, who built this shit. I'm like, why are we doing this for them? At some point, we're, we're going to be on there. We're laughing and joking and playing a good nigga and, and bashing people and, and taking over the clubhouse in these rooms and gang, gang, gang. But who owns this shit? You know what I'm saying? It's like being in an apartment complex. We're doing all this nigga room and somebody's making a shitload of money off of us. So, again, Masterpiece, we need to see a full biography. Billy, you brought it up before. We need to see a biopic, a whole fucking series on this man because he's pointing it out. Like, yo, motherfuckers, wake up. But the whole crab in a barrel mentality, there's a reason why that is because we're still taught to be a crab in a barrel. I'm sorry. No, I mean, I don't know. Do you, I don't know how often you guys listen to Drink Champs. Um, but Irv Gotti was on there in which he talked uh-huh. about how him, Suge Knight, and Jay Prince were actually trying to get a hip hop union going on at one time in which, in which they were going to where all the rappers, when they re-up their deals, let's say they got a million dollars. They take one thousand, a hundred thousand out of that in a pool to help with dental, medical and all this for a, a rapper's hip hop union. Of course, that broke apart. But it's shit like that that in when when and I bring that up to say like Marquis said that we'll never hear the full story. That's something we never heard about. It took our Irv Gotti being on a random podcast and them just getting him asking the right questions to bring it out because he's never said that shit before. And it's like if if any of one of these things hit, how would that have changed the trajectory of not only hip hop but the culture as a whole? You talk about Bill Cosby. If he was allowed to buy NBC, what would that have done for black media? Because we're, we're just now catching up to probably where we would have been 20, 30 years ago if he was able to do that with Netflix and other people really investing in black creators. So if you look at what hip-hop is now, how, how hip-hop became focused on the labels and we talk about how they don't invest in artists, if that hip-hop union was able to be created and go forth, how would the music industry look completely different at, at this point now? And that goes back to Clubhouse. Marquis point again. Joe Button, who has created a podcast network kind of within his own, partnering with Mandy from Horrible Decisions and having shows underneath that Joe Button brand, has already blown up. Yeah, and, and has shown that it that, that is a proven commodity. Yeah, probably would have been slower to start, but had he started his own thing, not only would that have been a platform for us that we can build, but look at what that could have done for black creators as a whole if they would have had if we would have had access to something like that. It's it's frustrating, but at the same time, we keep hearing these stories of what it could have shoulda. Somebody just needs to make the shit happen. Yeah. Oh my 
So let me ask you a question. <clears throat> Are they doing what they need to do to build themselves up so they can move or migrate similar to, to well, oh, my God, I can't think of his name. Well, oh, my God. Well, not in Miami. Oh, my God. Sam Cook. I'm employing black people. I'm bringing black stars. Even though I'm singing this, I'm building a platform for us so we can migrate over. Is it that mentality? How long is, has, is, how, how, how old is hip hop? Since the 70s. Yeah. About yeah, 40 right. years in, right? And we're and then we just now talking about a union. Years, yeah. Just now talking about a union. So how, how many, how long? How long? But hip-hop wasn't supposed to last. And it hip-hop is not ours anymore. That's my point. Interesting. Interesting. It's one of those, these, this is one of those conversations that can go on all fucking day. But from talking about a platform that we could have built, let's talk about a platform that actually was built. My segues are fucking awesome, by the way. Um, let's talk about versus. <laughs> this motherfucking thing is falling apart very quickly, and this was very well put on display by the first verses of 2021. We got Keisha Cole, we got Ashanti. This was a fucking train wreck. Like that's all I can fucking say to this. This was was it was bad. Like Keisha Cole. Was the drunk auntie at the party that just says something inappropriate and the whole time be looking like, look, if you just shut the fuck up, everything will be okay. That's how I felt. Like, she was singing. How are you singing over Ashanti as Ashanti's doing her own songs? Well, how do you show up over an hour late and then do that? <laughs> I mean, that's how weird. her ex-boyfriend. Well, okay. So somebody had tweeted that Ashanti seems like the type of, of girl that's, like, cool, you know, fun at all times. And Keisha Cole seems like the chick who, if she's going through something with her man, will ruin everyone's night. And I can kind of see that. <laughs> like, you could definitely tell something else was going on with her. Um, people were saying that her audio was all messed up and she wasn't really late. But she didn't want to come out with her audio not working right. And she was peeved about it. Whatever it was as a fan, and by the way, I started out the night as Team Keisha. Um, I mean, I don't know if y'all saw my stories. Like, me and my daughter were jamming and everything, going through a Keisha Cole medley. Um, yeah, she let her fans down, including me. It was like she did – She it was hers to lose, and she lost it by her attitude. Like, for real, for real. So, shout out to, you know, Ashanti for holding that down. Who wants to take this one next? I'll, yeah, I'm not even coming that. All I'm going to say is um, they're talking about resurrect, doing a Tupac Biggie versus right now as the next one. Posthumous, like, that's supposed to be the next thing. Whatever they can do to try to resurrect this motherfucking thing, this shit is done. This shit is done. Who was Pac's uh, DJ? Is he alive still? I have no idea. The only way I see that happening enough, and then Pac's DJ. He didn't have a DJ. He just had a bunch of producers, but he never had a DJ. Well, someone from his camp to do it. I'm over this shit. Like versus is dead. It's fucking dead. Like they're they're doing fucking versus now with fucking football. Play. Like I'm I'm over this shit. Yes, the football player thing is really weird. <laughs> like. I got, a, I got a question. I got a question. So, is this what we do to ruin shit? How could this have been saved? Like, what's a real good blueprint 
Versus should have followed, created, and expanded upon to make sure there was a success. Aside from the technical issues and people who don't know what the fuck they're doing, because it's it success. Keeping it, it seems. Uh, go ahead, but go ahead, Baylor. I was about to say, it just seems like after the Gucci and and um and uh Snowman shit, like they was really they they're trying to go that route, like old beefs and shit like that. Shit is even. I mean, like the Brandy and Monica one, like don't get me wrong, people are gonna tune into that because of the history. But should I, besides forgetting that uh that versus was supposed to happen, even when I got the <laughs> notification, I, I didn't watch that bullshit. I didn't watch not one bit of it. I told y'all niggas I was tired after the uh, after the DMX and Snoop one. My thing, it, it went downhill after the Bernie and Monica for me. That's that's when it started going downhill. I don't even remember if DMX and Snoop were before or after that, but like that was a turning point in it to me where it was just like, all right, it, it, like to Baylor's point, how can we capitalize on either some pre pre existing beef drama? Uh, their fan base being against each other or whatever it stopped being about the purity of the music if you look at the first set of verses it was all about the pure purity of having people who respected music and who just were on there having fun doing their they shit were, they were, they were yeah. matching in, they were matching energies because that first one was little john and t-pain and we knew what hits we was gonna get from them they had erica badu and my ex-wife you know what i mean so like we seen, we seen what they were trying to create. Now just going off into like some headline grabbing type shit. I'm I'm done, man. I'm, I'll tell you what though. They did Patty Labelle and damn it, Stephanie. who? Stephanie Mills. No, it was not Stephanie Mills. Gladys Knight. Holy shit. Gladys Knight. Yes. Gladys Knight. Yes. Um. Now you got to sing us Nemo spiritual for that. Um. <laughs> They did that. That came after the one that you said that you guys, Brandy and Monica, and that was great and still about purity of music. I mean, it was for an older demographic, obviously, but it was. I mean, having grown up with my mom putting that shit on to clean the house, that was great for me. So, and, and I mean, they were in the same place though, still, and they were like singing together and harmonizing, mm. and it was really like beautiful and talent and everything. So. I wouldn't. I can't say Brandy and Monica was the drop off, but probably after. Oh no, I agree. I think they had drop offs in between stages. Yes. So because okay, I, that two change of Rick Ross shit was was dry to me too. Yes, you know? that that was definitely dry. Um, I feel like, I feel like it really peaked with the Beanie Man and Bounty Killer one. That I think different. the energy of that one was never met. But I think there were a lot of extenuating circumstances, right? Number one, that was the first one where they were in the same place. Mm-hmm. Secondly, those two, their energy could never be matched. Let's be real. Like, they bought a whole new dynamic with the whole dance hall shit. Um, it was epic when the police kept trying to knock it, <laughs> shut them down, and Beanie Man <laughs> was mm-hmm. throwing them out. Um, so there was like a lot, just those two, their characters were, and then even before that, the technical difficulties with freaking middle-aged, you know, hip hop artists trying to figure out how to work technology and actually was funny. So that was entertaining. And again, the timing with timing is everything in life really. Right. And like, not for nothing during those first few weeks, because all those were happening during the beginning of quarantine or lockdown, whatever we're calling it, we all were in a headspace of like, we need something. Like D Nice had just started doing his thing. Then he made it, he unofficially made his set, the COVID, um, you know, versus after party. So everyone literally would hop out of 
the versus and go into here's the other thing too the apple tv didn't sign on board yet there was there were no sponsors it literally was two niggas on ig live <laughs> trying to figure shit out yeah yeah it was all so it back was, then. yeah so the intentions were a lot more pure as well you know what i'm saying i mean not for nothing did you not peep how ashanti had said she got like a check from Ciroc or something and then keisha cole was like i ain't get no check literally during the thing it was like yeah what's happening <laughs> yeah like, you know there was none of that in the beginning. It was literally like, we're just going to play our best joints and entertain people and try to lift spirits. Now it's like money has gotten into the mix. So. You, know, you, know, you know what it seems like? It seems like it seems like them niggas is off of edibles now. <laughs> For real, though. Like hear, like, hear me out. They went from, you know what? I think we should do football players. And then the <laughs> next nigga said, Nah, let's do big and pop. They're gonna go crazy. All high thought. All high thought. I can see it. Listen, <laughs> and le- the only thing that can save this is 50 and Ja or Jay Z and Nas. That's it at this point. Anything less than that, I'm not showing up for shit. Well, they've been teasing Mary and Tony Braxton. I don't give a fuck uh, about that. I can see Usher and Chris Brown, seriously. I don't give a fuck uh, about that either. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Marquis, you had another one. You were saying Bieber versus Usher, right? What I really don't give a fuck yeah. about that one. I'm definitely not watching that. But the youngins would. Yeah. I'm I'm so I mean, over this shit. The Keisha and Ashanti one, honestly, was the first one that I saw the young generation hype about, and they rescheduled it like twice too. So. I mean, most a lot of people I know forgot that it was even last week. Like I, I literally I, had no idea until you texted the group. I had no idea that was bad. I went on, I went on Twitter and somebody said, "Oh, I almost forgot," and I was like, "I'm still gonna forget. I'm not watching <laughs> bullshit. Watch and watch and watch the next one. I promise you. I promise you. And it might not come true. But watch they have one. It's gonna be like Denzel versus fucking." <laughs> They're gonna do the actor. Yeah, they're gonna, do, they, they gonna, they're, no, they're gonna do Denzel. <laughs> they're, gonna do, they're, they're gonna do Denzel versus Will Smith. Watch. No, see, they'll they'll fuck around and do something different, like uh, John David Washington versus O'Shea Jackson Jr. That's some shit that they would pull off. That would be point. entertaining, though. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just, what? Just to see them two talk would be entertaining. They're both characters. Anything? Uh, le- no, seriously. I, I, I would like to. I would like to see it get back to where it started with producers. I would love to see like a uh, Dr. Dre and JD do some shit. Like Dr. Dre yeah. would probably kill him, but I just think it would be good to get back to the soul and the roots where the the conversation can be about music and what it went into making the beats and the inspiration. All this drama shit. I don't want to see this no more. Yeah. I mean, so to in Ashanti's defense, she was sharing a lot of behind-the-scenes stories, but, you know, it wasn't being matched, so then it... (laughs) I don't know. And then they had the nerve to take a damn intermission. That is where they lost people. And they played R. Kelly during the intermission and Keith Sweat. I was done. Like, that's the worst one-two punch you can ever do for me, is a whiner and a child molester. I'm good on both them niggas. Like, I don't want to hear nothing. And it's like, come on, you started over an hour late, and then, you know, you have an audience that's like 30-plus. Nobody's staying up late <laughs> to begin with. It was like, you can't go on intermission at 10-something, like, on a weeknight. Like, you literally saw the numbers drop by the thousands the minute they were like, all right, we'll be right back. Let's take a break. It was like, 
all right, we out. Like <laughs> that was the end. Yeah. So okay, Real, so unless with the current projection of what what versus is going without knowing really what's coming next with the next series one how much longer do you see versus being able to be the the the, the appointment television i guess whatever social media that it, that it once was or has that already gone and went i think the last trick they're gonna have up their sleeve they're gonna they probably have a uh a versus battle where a couple of fans can attend mm. i think that's gonna be the last one okay I'd still like to see a versus tour. I would. I, I would be there for it with the past people that have gone for yeah. sure. I like that. Yeah, I mean it depends. If um someone's smart about this, they can take this idea and like do like um battle of the bands or some shit. You know mm-hmm. where they do alternative bands or something like that. You know Rolling Stone versus or whatever. There's a lot of directions they can go in if they want to commercialize it and take it from us like they usually do and make it something and do it better, if you will. Um, there's a lot they can do, but for us, nah, it's pretty much done. Or they had a versus playlist and just had put all the niggas on a Zoom call and they all do like one or two songs. Yeah. Versus Man. if you listening to this, and I know you listen, uh, I need a check, my nigga, so... <laughs> I cannot. All right. Let's go into our first break. When we come back, we have a song that I really don't want to talk about. And then we got some music, yeah, some, some TV and film news. We'll be right back after this. What's up, everybody? This is Dan, a.k.a. Dan on Drugs. And I am Afro Becky, a.k.a. Afro Becky. And we are the Black Law and Legal Lies Podcast, podcast. a weekly legal podcast for the culture. Each week we have conversations with our co-host Anne, a licensed and practicing slash ratchet ass attorney, as well as myself, a rehabilitated criminal and our lovely esteemed moderator Afro Becky. Most of our topics are legal in nature and we discuss them in a relatable way. We release new episodes every Tuesday. Yo, you can find us anywhere podcasts are available. Or you can find us on social media at Black Law Podcast. So check us out. Or don't. Hey! What? Sometimes people do like the opposites. Coon artist extraordinaire Kodak Black (laughs) released a new song to highlight his coonery called Last Day In. How many coons are we giving this one? We ain't even got... The song's fucking trash. If anybody on this panel likes this fucking song, I'm telling you right now, I'm retiring from fucking podcasting. But how many coons are we giving this one? It gets all the coons for me. It's uh, ultimate coon. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it, this was difficult. So here's the thing. I try to go into things with an open mind, even though I think it's, it's known my disdain for Kodak Black, especially after his, you know, Trump shenanigans. Um, but Jesus, like, it was just, it was hard to listen to. I mean, I'm thinking, okay, last day in, maybe it'll be something profound. Maybe he'll express some kind of remorse for selling out, like, something. And it was, it seemed like it was about his girlfriend broke up with him. <laughs> like, sang badly. Not, that wasn't even bars. That wasn't spitting. That was like, well, just get him out of here. And- <laughs> He literally said, I'm not going to do the auto-tune and shit. And he should have did the auto-tune. It's like he tried to sing 
rap, like there was auto-tune that was supposed to be supplied to him, and someone just turned it off. This shit was horrible. I literally wanted to throw my fucking laptop. Like, why did you make me listen to this haze? Like, I don't understand why you put this in front of me. Like, I might have to point the Asians that you have in your basement out. Hey, 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 you hey, Because you made hey, me listen to this shit. Hey. I'm just saying. Hey. We got a lot of shit we working on together in 2021. You can't have me locked up right now. Asian food. Asian food. Yeah, we might have to tell everyone what movie made, made him cry. Marquise, <laughs> I'm going to have to disagree with you on that one. What? Uh, the one thing that the late, great Kobe Bryant said is that we as humans uh, misunderstand that we feel like we have time. I didn't listen to that shit at all. I'm not wasting my time. Hayes didn't make me listen to anything. I did not listen to that shit. I'm not wow. wasting my time. Oh, shit. Lucky you. You have yeah, your brain cells intact. We're caught out here. Thanks a lot, Hayes. Can you give us that time of our lives back? Listen, we all have to make sacrifices for this podcast, okay? <laughs> So well, not Baylor. <laughs> Baylor, Baylor is the rep. you know what I mean. Baylor's holding about three or four Asians for me, so he's making sacrifices <laughs> in other places. Release <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Asians. I'm willing to go to court on that one. I'm willing to go to court. Wait, so, so y'all, y'all think Baylor's making all these T-shirts themselves? I'm just saying. You just, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying. <laughs> And this shit is being recorded too. Right, this is bad. Hey, well, let me tell you, uh, the FBI that's tapping this, calling us stupid and shit like that. I'll tell you right now, I have documentation of you making all them motherfuckers. Yo, he's really looking out the window though. <laughs> Again. I'm just saying. All, all I'm saying is this. All I'm saying is this. Look at Baylor. Put your hands up to the camera real quick. You think Baylor's big ass hands are making little ass letters on those t-shirts? Yes. Yes. <laughs> no, those are Asian hands if I've ever seen it. That's work of Asians. Well, I'm I, really I, 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 I Yo, this episode hands. should be called the work of Asians. Alright, let me stop fucking with Baylor before I get us both locked up. Moving on. More positive news. Uh, the, we can watch the Kunawee away with this one. So there's a new series coming to Amazon. The Underground Railroad. I asked you guys to watch the, the teaser for this one. This shit looks fucking amazing. What do you guys think about it? I'm hyped. <laughs> I actually saw the trailer... Um a few weeks back and yeah it, it just looks amazing i mean it, again these and we're, i'm sure we're going to get further into it but these stories need to be told i truly feel like they and i don't know i mean we all live in different parts of the country which i think is dope um so i don't know what your kids are being taught but i truly feel like black history has disappeared yeah, in school absolutely. and we need more of these kind of series and and you know films that really like tell the story of, of our history for our kids, honestly, so they know. So I definitely plan to, like, sit my kids in front of this. Awesome. Marky? Um, I think everything we do is good until it's not. Um, I'm hyped for it. I'm waiting for it. The trailer was dope. I mean, he, he does – he really – 
hasn't done anything that's bad. Like Moonlight was dope. So I mean, I'm expecting something great here. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it, cinematography, visually, it's going to be stunning. You can see based on the trailer alone, the way it moves, the way it flows, the music that's provided. So you already know it's going to be somber type, but still ominous. But it's going to be dope. We already know what to expect. I think um, what's going to hit us is that subtle vibe of 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 that beautistic, masterful craftsmanship. You know what I'm saying? But I'm dying to see it. To address something you just said, Mary, what my kids are learning, and it was interesting, um, they, my, 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 my middle son had to learn the lyrics for U2 Pride and break them out and explain them, the metaphors. And it was about you know Martin Luther King, how he was shot and everything. It doesn't tell you that, but he had to break that out. So I do commend the schools for actually tying in some of those things and having the conversation with us, especially when we have to teach them at home with Zoom calls. But yeah, these are the time to have these conversations, especially when they're home and all this content is coming out. I want my kids to watch some of this. I'm, I got to, you know, watch it myself to make sure. But these are real good conversations to have with our kids. Like, look, this is what we went through. Here's where we're going. Here's where we need to go. And this is what we went through during the last presidency and everything. So I know I kind of went off the, the, the topic of the show and use that as a segue to, you know, carry on to Mary's point of black history and teaching. But, you know. I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> All right. Baylor? Baylor? Uh, my only concern would be the same, uh, somewhat similar to the rant that Hayes had last week. Is that more on, or what if we get the one night in Miami? You know, mm. Part of it? Or do you think it would be more, or do you think it would be a higher percentage on the actual, you know, this is based on a true story? Either or, I'm fine with because I know it's going to be something told. It's going to be something taught within that movie. So, mm-hmm. I, that but that would be my only concern. You know, if, if people will accept it or be against it or not, I wouldn't say be against it, but somewhat criticize it like they did with uh, One Night in Miami. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I I really hope you know, especially when it's a series, more long form, when you have more time to tell that story. I hope that they yeah. do show all sides of it. Um, and so it doesn't get me on my rant again, hopefully. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the, 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 the trailer looks really good. Um, it's hard for me not to, to look forward to it. We'll just, I guess it remains to be seen. Now I haven't read the novel. I don't know if anyone here, the novel that it's based on, I don't know how, how deep they get into it in the novel. Uh, hopefully that informs the series on, on what they're able to tell with it, but it's just, it's just good to see more blackness on TV. Just to be honest with you. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to read, so I didn't read it yet. That makes sense because you were in the field, so that, that makes okay. sense. Okay, Matt, I didn't let you learn. <laughs> symbol, symbol. <laughs> yeah, we have to be canceled. All right, let, let's move in. Let's move on from that. So last week we teased that we would be reviewing American Skin. It's that time. <laughs> Who wants to take this one away first? That shit was hard. Yeah. <laughs> that shit was hard. And you know what? It broke my heart at the end. I yeah. mean, to the point where, man, I almost cried. I almost <laughs> cried. Because I, cause I really felt that I shit. I don't know man. why that's funny, but... <laughs> no, I, I mean, funny. look. I know we goofy like that, but no, that, that movie was, you know... Because I watched it around the same time I watched One Night in Miami as well. Mm. So I was in taking all of that shit. Um, yeah. Did you watch a comedy after? Because, <laughs> like, 
Nah, you know, most likely, I went, right, most likely I, went, I went right into a scary movie. So everything was just fucked up at that point. Okay. You um, needed to burn some sage after that. But you know, you know, I got a lot. There were a lot of complaints before the movie came out because a lot of people predicted that it was going to be one of those kumbaya endings, mm. and they were wrong. Mm. You know what I mean? So um, it, it got an A plus from me. Well done. Okay. I don't think it's so, talked about enough either. It's not. I, I was just gonna say that. That's I all mean, politics, I, though. That's Nate. That's because of Nate Parker and his former rape charge. That's the only reason this right. isn't being talked about more. So, okay, you know, all of that aside, right, because we, you know, whatever, I always did respect and admire Nate Parker's dedication to telling black stories. I mean, you know, how I came to learn of him was through black films that he made, right? Like, well, not made, but starred in. Like, The Great Debaters, I think, might have been one of the first ones. Um, you know, I mean, Birth of a Nation, it was hard to watch, harder to watch than American Skin, believe it or not. But, I mean, you know, he played Nate Turner like no other. And, you know, he had a big role in bringing that story to, to life. So, um, so yeah, I mean, didn't disappoint in this one either. Um, I really and truly believe that Everyone needs to watch this movie, especially people who don't understand or are opposed to the, the BLM movement. Um, because, all right, well, spoiler alert, listeners, but, I mean, you first of all, you really feel his pain throughout it, right? And, and it really just tells the story from a veteran's perspective, which, you know, not a lot of people really, like, would correlate a veteran and, you know, a sympathizer with the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, but just as a parent, which anyone who has a kid, you know, it, it, to me, it's always incredulous as I'm fighting the good fight with uh, most of my friends and family who are, you know, anti-BLM, basically. Um, like, it's like, if you have kids, how could you not look at everyone as somebody's kid and not imagine that pain that that person's family must feel? It's like, how can you be insensitive to it? So I think he captured that, you know, perspective perfectly. Um, I think that it really does reinforce the need to tell black stories, which honestly, you know, everyone, you know, on this show right now in our own way, I think we've dedicated some portion of our lives to that. So I think that really reinforces our mission, right? Um, I mean, the, the fact that they had like, you know, the documentary being made and, and his strategy behind that, um, as he decided to go and, and, you know, basically hold the, the precinct hostage after he got his, after the cop got off. I mean, that was genius. Um, and you know, just that conversation that occurs between, <laughs> I mean, law enforcement, you know, civilians, obviously himself and, you know, prisoners. I mean, you really think about it. That's all the pieces of the puzzle in one room. And how else would that have ever happened? Um, so kudos to, to whomever really wrote that because, I mean, I think that conversation is really what America needs right now. And, you know, there were a few things that really got summed up so well. One, the conversation about hip-hop, right? We are the Breaks Radio. We'd be remiss if we did not bring that up. Um, and it kind of goes into the coon artist and, and the lack of ownership and the selling out that we talked about earlier. But basically, one of the inmates, when hip-hop was brought up and it was like, listen to... One of the cops had said, well, listen to what, 
you know, you guys listen to. Like, how are we don't want our kids around that, blah, blah, blah. And it was like, one of the inmates were like, but your kids do listen to it. They buy this music. And basically, they are paying to keep this music going. And that music is our pain. That's our life. And it's entertainment for you guys. And it becomes a cycle. Um, and then, you know, at some point, these people feel like they have to live that life in order to be successful because that's their way out. So, I mean, and you know what, for what it's worth, I, I definitely have, I still condemn Kodak Black, but maybe he got caught up in that somewhat. I'll just put that out there. Um, anyway, long story less long, the other thing that I felt like was really, really important was the fact that he didn't kill the cop, which, by the way, I had anxiety on a trillion the whole damn time. Yes. Um, but that was, you know, and the fact that he ended up, I, I kind of saw the end of that coming. I don't know if we're trying to tell everything, so I'm going to not. But I saw, I called that. I was like, there's no way. <laughs> this doesn't end well. It can't, right? But, you know, just the fact that he wanted that cop to feel how he felt and felt that that was his punishment enough. It was like, that's kind of what we all want, all of the, the anti-Black Lives Matter people. Like, we want you to understand what it's like to be us. And, you know, the, the, the filmmaker who ended up, like, making a really poignant speech in the end, he really capitalized, like, he captured the feeling. How can you be patriotic when this is your life, right? Like... We, you serve this country, and yet you come back to this kind of fate. Um, and then, you know, this is how, for kids in these situations, you're growing up and watching this. And soldiers and police officers are supposed to protect um, and heal, and you're watching them kill, and then <laughs> have no blame in that. So I feel like, oh my God, I, I, I don't want to continue. I know that we have to get to other people, but... It was everything, and I just feel like it's a must-watch. And the last point that I really want to make is that Omari Hardwick, bro, like, I have to say, a testament to a good actor is when you don't see the character that he's known for and the other things he plays, and I did not see Ghost at all in that in that movie. I did see a depressed, like, I saw a depressed soldier. I did. Yeah. I did. Yeah. That, that's, a good, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a powerful film from start to finish, and I think you know, this is one where they did try to do their best to show all all parts of this conversation. Right? It would have been easy to just paint it as, um, you know, cops are just just inherently wrong, but they did even a good job to paint. Look, the cops are scared as shit, and that's yeah. something that you can't take. That they are now. Does that mean that they need better training, or whatever? That's a conversation for another day, but. And then how they even had the the woman cop talk about what it's like to be a woman in that and how she like they did a great job with this conversation. Uh, when you talk about how it was how it was going to end, it started with an unarmed black man being killed and it ended with an unarmed black man being killed. And that is the reality of America. Right. And that's what I truly feel about it, Marquis. So I'm I'm really going to try to keep this as short as possible. Seriously. Um <sighs> Honestly, I and and maybe it's just who I am. I kind of knew what was going to happen the moment he got a jury. I, I predicted that was going to happen. I predicted the outcome. I predicted the conversation. I knew what the end result was going to be because there's no way in the world they're going to have this man murder this cop 
in cold blood, he has to show that I'm better than you. At the end of the day, this is who we are as people. We know what you do to us, but we're still better. We still want more. We just want you to understand what we're going through, and I have to paint this picture so you can get it. And there was no way in the world they were going to let him just walk out. My biggest concern with most of this is the conversations will happen, but what happens next? Because it seems like we always have these conversations. We have these great movies. Then there's no follow-up. So imagine this white cop walking out, telling his wife and his son, I'm gone, like, goodbye. And then I, I've come to, to, to grips with what I've done. I want to walk out with you as a man and not as... So what's day three look like for him? Because that's in the past. We're, that's recency. You know, that's... Okay, that's in the past, but you're gonna, you still got to be a cop at the end of the day. You're going to bleed blue, or you're going to respect or, or, or preach that, you know, black lives do matter, or you're going to be surrounded by your fraternity. You know what I mean? So what's the conversation that's going to happen next? Like, there's so many things that were touched on in this, this movie that from, 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 and, and I wanted to ask you, Hayes, because I know your background was more um, in the military. Like, how does that, how do people deal with that? And another question, as far as black people coming back from PTSD and the, and the jobs they can get, because he was only able to become a janitor. There's no career trajectory. What's the statistic on black people coming from a tour or whatever and finding a job being successful versus a white person coming back from a tour? And do they go into military contracts? Do they go into the Senate? Do they become po political figures? Can I give, like, you, I can give you a great example of that? My... My father, who is white, served 20 years, 27 years in the military. My former brother-in-law, well, I still consider him my brother-in-law, um, even though I'm not married to his sister anymore, served 12 years in the military, so about half. Um, him and my dad both did two tours in Iraq, uh, one tour in Afghanistan. When he got out, of, when my brother-in-law got out of the military, had to move back in with his parents and couldn't find a job for 18 months. My dad got out of the military, took six months off by choice to kind of reset, immediately went into a seven-figure job working for the NSA. So let that just sink in. So, so one of the statements that was made was when he said, um, when, when I forgot his character, but um, Ghost said, the reason you didn't talk about it because it's the military. You, you have to live it to understand it. It's mm -hmm. the same thing with being black. Mm -hmm. You got to live it to understand it. You can't mm -hmm. just sit there on your high pedestal and say, you do this, you do that. This is why we can't have conversations with you. No, you don't understand. We're not being defensive. This is real life shit. We're targets. And at the end of the day, like you said, we know he wasn't speeding. We profiled because we had to keep our people safe, and we thought you fit profile. You know, we, that's, that's the real narrative. So now when he confessed, he said, now I can sleep. Basically, I feel like I've let everything out, and I can, I'm comfortable in my own skin. I don't know the exact words the cop said, but that's what, that's what it came to. I confessed my sins. Now I can sleep better. So when you watched him get shot, when he walked out, everybody walked over his body, no less, walked over his fucking body, and then what did they do? He suffered from mental issues. He basically, you know, he, um, you know, he, he obviously, you know, from Afghani at PTSD, they made every fucking excuse to basically say this man died because of what he went, not because of his son, not why he did this, but because he suffered from issues. He had issues, mental issues. So, uh -huh. yeah. But even worse than that, did you catch how then they went to sports and described what I sports, think like a LeBron? 
like it's like but black people now can entertain you like watch these coons you know what i mean like this is another conversation that came up in this and i swear everybody who says this shit i just want to smack the fuck out of them when anyone says that they're colorblind mm-hmm. let's be real let's be real <laughs> I, you just have to stop and look at it. I'm colorblind. I don't see color. How could you not? You were raised a certain way. You're going to see color. Hey, you don't even have to identify it. Yes, sir. Marquis, ask them if they ever had a color book. <laughs> so, I don't know. Again, the movie for, for the budget, um, what he was trying to accomplish, and it's buried. Like, there's no conversation around it. And you know, can we find this movie? Six ninety nine is being pro- um, promoted. So funny thing, I actually have. I know. I really did hit up Marquis and was like, "Yo, you pay? You had to pay for American skin?" Unfortunately, <laughs> you know, I, I'm gonna pay for it because of the support. I just didn't pay for it at the time because I needed to be ready for this review. Um, it's funny because I actually have. <laughs> you had to think about spending six ninety nine. No, 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 because I don't have my. I don't put my credit card on my TV. Anything okay. I do, I don't, I don't put my credit card on my TV. You. you know, okay. That's Carry on. Um, so I actually have the the access to my former CEO's UK account for for Prime Video, and I tried to log in to find this movie. It's not over there in the UK. I literally typed that and typed it in. And if you go to Amazon UK, you can't find the movie. Oh wow, wow. That's my last thing. So again, I'm, I'm, I'm I swear to you, I'm sorry about this. Why was the movie called American Skin? I didn't do research on this. And I'm wondering, I don't know if it's based on um, Bruce Springsteen's song, American Skin, where he got, you know, about Amadou Diallo, um, the 41 shots, or is it that it's an American skin? And I have this whole, this, this, I hate being called African-American, number one, because there's no such thing as an African-Britain. So I'm not African-American, I'm American. You know what I'm saying? But it's all based on your skin. So I'm wondering if that's the direction he took, calling this American skin, not African-American skin, or, you know, I would really like to know exactly why this movie was named American Skin. I didn't do enough research. Enough research. I'm pretty sure Hayes, you probably have more insight because you're the research genius. But still, it'd be really interesting to hear that. So that's my take on it. Hayes, uh, I didn't come out with this episode. I don't think I'm gonna release it. But you know, the movie was. Remember how they, you know, they got put over in a neighborhood they're not used to being seen in, right? So I work in those type of neighborhoods. And from time to time, when I have downtime, I'll go to the, I'll go to, I'll go near the site and just park my car and just chill until I have to get to my shift. There were, they have security, they have neighborhood security in those areas that patrol, that patrol the, the residents. Okay. I was, I, I got pulled up on by the security and was asked to, to leave because the resident person that stayed there, the, whoever I, the house that I, that I parked in front of, that particular person didn't want me parked there. But that security officer was black. And he was like, look, man, I already know what it is. She's calling me right now. Bro, just leave. Because after I leave, if I don't, if you don't leave, they're going to call the police. There's that. There you have it. That's there's nothing left that needs to be said after that. Yeah, it's just heartbreaking, honestly. And 
is it ever going to change? That's that's the thing that that makes it heartbreak. It's like for the people who don't believe in systemic racism, I don't I just don't understand like you're it's willful ignorance at this point. And to like when people say that whole I don't see color thing, to me that just means that you're choosing to to turn a blind eye to what the fuck we go. That's not a positive to me. That means you're choosing to be blind because if you can't if you can't see it, you're just not seeing how American life is day to day, and you're making that choice not to see it. That's my opinion on it. One one of the last things he said, he was like when he said on something about everyone else can respond violently, it's okay, but we have to be peaceful when something happens to us. Think and about that was like, before January sixth. <laughs> you know what I mean? That was before the insurrection. That's crazy. Yeah. All right. That's it. Uh, let's let's get off this. Uh, that is the last topic in this segment. We're going to come back uh, after a break and then we're going to talk about colorism in hip hop, which this may this may go right back into into a dark place. We'll see. Uh, we'll be right back after this. <laughs> nice pun. <laughs> Being a mom is probably the most rewarding thing that I've ever done. I have my own company, but I'm a mom first. A young urban mom, it's not an experience like any other. When you're young, you're growing with your kid. You're growing into that identity. Developing and creating a community of moms that are basically sharing information with one another so that we can be stronger moms. Perfect imperfection, beautiful chaos, doing the best you can every day, falling down nine times but getting up 10. As long as you are led by love, you kind of can't lose. Moms coming together to share information so that we can be great parents for our, our children. Us being the change we wanted to see in the world. Young came into resistance. All right, so we're back from breaking. So this last part of this conversation, colorism and hip hop, it got started for a couple of different things. We had the Danny Lee and uh, the baby thing that kicked off a whole light skin, dark skin conversation. But then we had a clip from uh, Rick Ross's failed uh, reality show in which he was trying to sign a new star and the first lady of MMG. And in that clip, it was basically shown how uh, it was a light skinned woman, a darker skinned woman who used the same beat to make very similar songs, but the light skinned woman was selected. Um, and so I wanted to talk about the the interesting cross section between colorism and misogyny in hip hop that is so inherent in music, in the music game in general, and have a conversation about that one. Who's brave enough to take this one first? Uh, shit. I got a problem. Go ahead, baby. Go for it. Oh, I'll bring, I bring it home. You know how many people hit me up about Mary? Stop. <laughs> no, I, I mean, know. I mean, keep, if, you, if you want to keep it real yeah. all the time, hey, Bailey, you, Bailey, you better watch yourself. You're going to get yourself shut up, nigga. You know what I mean? But it's like I do a gang of other shows with a lot of other women that are pretty darker than, than Mary. I don't get any DMs about them. Mm. You know what I mean? Well, but this is an unexpected twist. <laughs> no, but I mean, this is we are a part of hip hop. You know right. I mean? And yeah. so this is a this is a part of the culture, whether it's in a work in a work field, a podcast, or in music. We've seen it, and we definitely seen it in that clip. Cause we seen yeah. who the, who was the most talented singer. Yeah. So 
Because the girl he picked couldn't hold a fuck. Like she, she was damn near on key sweat level. Um, Jesus Christ. Well, I feel like even if you go back to like the 90s when music videos first started coming out, what would you see? It would always be light skin, you know, girls. I mean, it real it became a thing. So it, I feel like it's something that's always kind of, I mean, obviously, you know, we were joking around in the beginning, thank goodness no, no one heard it, but about, you know, being in the house and being in the field. Um, but I mean, that's where that, that's where for black Americans, colorism really started, right? And colorism, I mean, obviously, you know, it's anywhere colonization occurred, you're going to find colorism. So in the Caribbean, in Latin America, it exists really mm -hmm. bad too. So it's not just a problem confined to black America. Let's just start there. But, you know, I, I mean, obviously hip hop culture really began as something that was primarily a form of expression for black Americans. So that colorism came right with us. Um, and, you know, I I mean, I don't know. I, I don't want to make this about me, but since Baylor kind of went there, I I always felt like from the time I can, and mind you, so my mom's very dark-skinned and Southern, and from for as long as I could remember, I have kind of always felt like, I don't know if uncomfortable is a word, but definitely a way about being viewed as like a prize by Black men because of I'm lighter and you know, have whatever, whatever society calls good hair, European features, whatever. And like, mind you, me personally, I'm not attracted to any of that. Like, I like dark skinned dudes and, and Afrocentric features. So it's pretty interesting. But I think it's really sad. I really do. And I that is something I don't know how we get out of. Because it's really self hatred. That's what it's rooted in. Yeah. Like black is beautiful and we need to really believe that. And then, you know, like, go ahead. That's, that's it though. That's right. That's it right there. Black is beautiful. The more we say that it's like, we're reinforcing something to tell you, remember, remember black is beautiful. That's the problem. We're conditioned to think European, this is how you're supposed to look. You're supposed to look as European as you can, because that's what's being broadcasted in front of all of us. Before it was be a skinny model. European blonde hair, whatever. And then when thick started getting in, now you're starting to see white women get thicker, Kardashians, whatever. Now it's acceptably thick. Um, LL doing it. Remember, the person who actually wrote that and, 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 and spit that verse with him was a darker, heavier chick. And the video was a lighter chick. We uh -huh. did it to ourselves. LL had that chick in there and eliminated the chick who actually wrote that part. You see what I'm saying? So we're also contributing to the, like you said, Mary, we're doing it to ourselves. We always want something that we can't have a prize or a trophy. And 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 when we talk about athletes, now I'm I'm gonna separate something. We always say and knock athletes for dating white women. And here's why I understand why they do. Again, if you're gonna date who you're around, if you're gonna go to a prestigious college or whatever and be on some level, back then there weren't a lot of black people there. So who do you trust? The people that are around you that already have money, so you know that they're not after your money. And these are people that are around you. So someone like um, Patrick Mahomes, he was with his girl because he was in a prestigious environment. His father played baseball, and these are the people he was surrounded with. He didn't have enough black people around, so I can't knock him for dating a white woman. But he also did a lot for sports and black people in the NFL. So we're conditioned. I'm, I'm, I'm going to digress. We're conditioned to always want the anxiety, always want to... To, to, to have the trophy or what's broadcasted as beautiful. Now, I remember back in the day, I had this Asian girlfriend, 
I was at the next game, the next Lakers game. I know. <laughs> Are I know. you the one with the Asians hey, in your face? First of all, first of all, Marquise. No, let's just stop right there, my brother. I'm sorry I had to interrupt you. But the fact that you tried to go over that speed bump without slowing down. No, my nigga. Went, you, went you, you know the word Asian has a different connotation on this podcast. Anytime. Found the Asian bitches. <laughs> This thing is a cover up the whole time. Half Mexican, half black. Like, oh my god, he's an Asian spy. I'm at this. I'm at this. Everybody's looking at me like you got that off, and then you see people look at me like it just happened that way. I don't discriminate. I had dark skin women. I had, you know, it's just I find beauty, whatever. But again, the reason it's treated that way is because this is what's supposed to be the 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 prize. And there was a study done. The most acceptable relationship is a white man and an Asian woman. Did you know that? Mm. That's perfection. A dominant European white man and a submissive Asian woman would create the mm. perfect culture. That's Listen, what, that was an I don't know if you've seen, you seen that Asian woman on TikTok who be going to fuck off on her white husband oh, saying, she's saying so funny. Listen, she be saying, this is why nobody, <laughs> this is why nobody <laughs> likes you. This is why your family Yo, doesn't love you. That when, she she tell, when she tell him, this is why your family don't love you? <laughs> Yo. <laughs> every time, bro. I die every time I see that shit. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. But again... We can't keep saying black is beautiful. At some point, we have just have to recognize and know that black is beautiful without yeah. telling you. But, but we, like, but we do, but we do need the examples though, Marquise. Because if you look in the dictionary at the two words, they're they're the total opposite. Then we need to dig from the ground up. Like seriously, we need to change that narrative because it's not just about black being beautiful. Why can't we just say she's beautiful because she's beautiful? You well, know what I mean, bro? Okay, here's my thing. I get what you're meaning by that. And don't take offense by what I'm saying. Go for but it. isn't by what you're saying the same thing as people responding with all lives matter to black lives matter? No, 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 no. This is what I'm saying. If we're going to keep telling people that black is beautiful, mm. let's appreciate that. Let's have more of that on screen. Let's I don't think it. we have to tell people that. I think we have to tell ourselves that. <laughs> we have to tell our kids this. Yes, That's we do true. need those examples of black love, which we're starting to get more of, right? That's what I like, want to see more of. For mm-hmm. me, Queen and Slim, one of the most beautiful things about that movie was that it was black beautiful. Black. Like the dark-skinned mm-hmm. black love. It was, like, gorgeous and rich and, you know what I'm saying? Like, we do need more of that. Instead of, you know, seeing black men chasing after exotic-looking or... Latina women or you know what I'm saying because that's really that's it's <laughs> you see that too often okay. like here's another curveball I want to throw in this and this is more from social media not anyone on this panel so let me just say that clearly but do people not display their own bias because when you see this conversation go to colorism and throwing people under the bus is when they have a pre- we're not even saying putting down any other complexion but if people have a preference for light skin, a light skin woman, uh, colorism is automatically thrown into the mix. But it's not done the same if somebody has a preference for a dark skin woman. Is that a bias? It's a, but the key word is preference. That's the thing. And you're right in that. Now, preference is different from colorism, but I'm talking about the the outlet, the the um the cries and and and, and things that you would get if, for example, 
Rick Ross came out. Well, maybe he's a bad example because of the whole video. I'm trying to use somebody <laughs> non-problematic. Um, Kendrick. Let's just say Kendrick. If he came out with a song titled Light Skin Beauty, people would go the fuck off. But if he had a, uh, that same song, same content called Dark Skin Goddess, nobody would make a fuss about it. The question is, who's making the fuss? Mm, I don't know. I think I kind of got to agree with that one. Yeah. I'm, I'm saying our well, culture. Think, our culture would make, it, that, would make a fuss. And rightfully so, because this is the, I mean, I guess I get preferences, but it does feel like they're pre-programmed by the effects of colonization. True, when but 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 is that not projecting that idea on this person without knowing what his opinion? He, you can very well love light-skinned women, but still think dark-skinned women are beautiful and not put Absolutely. them down. But that's just your preference. So we're not projecting that bias and that that trauma. I think that's the thing that we have we have a history of doing in our culture. We project years and years on trauma on the very first whatever we can immediately point it at, and we attack our own people that way. The, the damage, the damage is so is so bad to where we can't even come out and say that though. I don't think I don't think anybody can come out and say I prefer light skinned women, but I also love dark skinned women too. That right there in itself sounds like slander. Okay. Okay. So I guess I mean, the question is, why would you why would you even have a preference? Why would you say you have a preference? Why can't you just love beautiful women, which you feel is beautiful? It shouldn't have to be based on their skin complexion. Well, then we should throw, just throw that whole word away then. Mm. But we still have to, and again, and, and Mary, like I said, I'm not knocking it, but we do have to acknowledge this is what beauty should be. And this is what it's portrayed as. You know what I mean? Even Moonlight, dark skin dude, like, you know, even though what his preference is, but these are the things that have to be appreciated. And not just told to you, but... This is actual beauty. You know what I'm saying? I feel, I feel, like, I feel I, like it's. I feel like it's more of a balance when it comes to the man, because it's a lot of women that has. They 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 they're not afraid to express how how much they love dark skinned men, and yeah. more of the joke and more of the jokes go towards the light skinned men, exactly. saying how soft they are. Interesting. Well, I'll tell you this: I have a friend who is Hispanic, and she will not consider dark skin black men. Period. Like anyone who's brown is no. And to me, that's I feel like that's racist. No, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It's Foxy Brown still my boo, so I ain't tripping. Who? <laughs> I like Foxy Brown. Oh, and that's that's the thing. Yeah. To get back to to get back, I kind of switched it to dating, but to get back into hip hop, one of the reasons Foxy Brown was such a refreshing and a breath of fresh, fresh air in hip hop was not just because she can spit, but because it was a beautiful dark skinned woman being highlighted. Right. Although she was also mixed, so yeah, with the Asian eyes, yeah, and the long exactly. hair, long straight hair, exactly. right. good hair. Don't say good hair. See, that's, that's part of the we're not no, beautiful. No, no, oh, no, wow, yeah. I was basically saying that I was giving you the features. That's what I'm saying. I get it, but that's you got to watch what, what you say. Dude, <laughs> tell me, look at her album covers. You see her hair flowing and her eyes. No, I agree with no. that. But I'm saying you have to be careful about how you label things. You know what I'm saying? Because I what makes that, that good hair? Out. No, I'm huh. pointing that out. I'm just saying this is what the image was portrayed as. She had exotic features, long flowing, good hair, and Asian-like eyes. 
the China doll, right? I get, uh, yeah, I get where I get where he's coming from. He's coming from the perception of good hair. He's not saying that she that right. he I, only. Yeah, I he's just it. saying that. I get I get what he's saying. This is one of those conversations. I can't wait to see what the response is when people listen to this shit. They either gonna try to cancel a few of us, or they're gonna understand where we're coming from. But uh, so if this is my last episode, <laughs> I cannot. Matt Turner, Green Ranger, signing off. <laughs> and you'll go be, time you'll, travel back to plantations. You'll you'll, you'll 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 be back as you'll be back as a white ranger. See what I mean? <laughs> so oh, white ranger. A white ranger. Oh my god! Oh my god! A black man and a white ranger. Yo, so confession, real quick. Finally watched Django. You're just watching Django. I really didn't want to. I didn't want to be pissed off. I really, y'all gonna act I like y'all don't see that screen? Like Quentin Tarantino. What? I don't, like Quentin, I, I don't like Quentin Tarantino. I'm sorry. The, the dude said nigga too much and got and got away with it. That, yeah, he, he yeah he is an acquired taste. Okay. Yeah, I yeah. agree with that. When Samuel L. Jackson walked out and said, "Why this nigga on a speed? Who the hell?" Let this... Record stopped for me. I'm like, why did you take this role? Number one, who wrote this script? Number two, how is this fucking allowed? You understand? This is fucking comedy, but still, who let this shit happen? First of all, I mean, my, my thing with Quentin Tarantino, though, is that he's equal opportunity with that because, like, he did the same thing in with Inglorious Bastards with the Jews and the Nazis as well. Oh, like, yeah. so. Very got a point. Yeah. One movie. One movie out of how many? Jackie Brown, uh, Pulp Fiction. Really? Yeah, but still. Mm. Well, I keep I that mean, point. That was, all right. First no, of all, today, today is Holocaust Remembrance Day. <laughs> so we should. Uh, Shit. Pick that up, but yeah. Jesus hey, man, Shout out to this table because we, boy, what I tell you, I feel very deeply about the Holocaust. Like I, seriously, like that shit was crazy. Like yeah. atrocities, unspoken for real. So yeah, that's a fact. That's a fact. So before we yeah, sign anything? off, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, you, you good? Any tragedy that? Ha- what did you say? Um, that Killmonger said. Bury me with my ancestors in the sea because they knew that life was much better than shit. Come on, I feel bad for anyone, but Native Americans, black that was basically eliminated, erased, and uh, look at us, mm-hmm. look at us. So yeah, I feel bad for okay. all of us. Keep continuing. Yeah, all right. Absolutely. Let's not. We're not comparing the struggle. So here. I came I'm up with a concept. I'm, I'm saying that I came up with a concept for Black History Month, right? Um. I want us to create, and I, I need you guys' help refining the, the idea, but I want to do a, a Black History audio time capsule. And by that, I want us to each bring something that we, to, to end the pod, the first podcast of Black History Month off with, whether it's a snippet from a song, a speech, a snippet from a movie, something that's representative of Black culture. And that's going to be in our time capsule for the first episode going into Black History Month, and we're going to just oh, explain a, why uh, why we pick those things. Okay. Wow, this is like school. Yeah, there you go. You guys got homework, but that has been another episode. <laughs> that has been another episode of Breaks Radio. Uh, signing off. Any parting words, messages, whatever you want to give, Mary. You know, you're up first. Go ahead and take it away. I don't even know what to say at the end of this. This was a deep episode, yeah. but we we 
we're here to fight another day. So I feel like, um, I don't know. There's definitely been a shift in energy, and I definitely feel like I've never felt more. So, like, my mission is to really have a part in telling black stories, whether they're past or present. And, um, yeah, so if you want to follow me to stay tuned on all that, I'm at Miss Mary Almonte and at Young Urban Moms and at Just Spice. Those Just Spice co-hosts, by the way. Whew. I cannot. I cannot. Okay. I was I watching. I was watching the video y'all posted early. Like, God damn, shit. <laughs> You're so funny. I'll, I'll let them and know. Dark skin. You keep saying that. You keep saying. Actually, you keep God. saying that, and not one of them has been in my. You keep saying you had. You said last week you had one in mind. You still haven't told me shit. I ain't got a single motherfucking update. Nothing. Thank you, Mary. <laughs> Go ahead, Marcy. It's on me now? Yeah. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> Straight up. Um, follow me where the fuck you want. This is what you need to do. Have more conversations about the shit we're talking about now. Hit Yum up because, number one, if you a mother, you black, or in the urban area, you need to be part of Young. You need to have these conversations, but we need to continue these conversations. Shout out to Jennifer King. She made history being the first black woman to be appointed as a full-time coach in the NFL. Shit is changing, and we need more of that. And Mary has an interview with her in a few weeks. Holla. Um, everything else, fuck <laughs> it. I have no more Asians in my... I don't, I don't have any Asians in my oh, house. Oh, shit. Hayes, you got Asians in your basement with your PlayStation playing your shit, cooking you sushi. Anyway, I'll give up all the Asians for somebody for one of the members of Just Spice. They can all go. We can, we can, we can, we can change, change the uh, the fucking egg rolls for pastelitos any day of the week. Any day of the week. (laughs) I can't. That was great. Empire. M-E-Y-R-E. I'll, I'll have to ask if they're into being locked in the basement. Is that an Asian way of you saying locked? Using W locked in the basement? <laughs> Stop. This is where we're at. This is where we're at. That's locked. A pink of giraffe? A locked in the basement? No? Okay. Yeah. Mm. Empire Media Group. On our <laughs> But not doing well. Oh my God! No, uh, Baylor, it's go a ahead. Day. <laughs> uh, I too seen the video, and as a married man, I will say at Baylor the Great on all social media platforms. <laughs> BTG for president, overrun with BTG, part of the Rare Signers Network. Uh, to that lady that got me kicked off the block, you, you, you bitch, you. Um, that's <laughs> it. It's fine. Her name. Find all I can name. say is, uh, follow me at CEO Hayes. Follow Yum, Young Urban Moms. Definitely do that. Uh, follow Just Spice. Catherine has the nicest legs in podcasting, period, point blank. Um, uh, especially got one picture where you know she just freshly baby oiled up those legs. And I could not stop looking at it. Um, if she's listening, if she, if she listening to this episode, which I know she's going to listen to this episode, I will gladly set up like a... Uh, like I'm a photographer. Episode. I will do any photography Just Spice needs from now until the time. I will take a, a bus, a cab, and a plane train, and an automobile 
Just make sure Catherine's legs are out, please. Between Catherine's legs and Miana's boobs, listen, we got everything covered. Um, wow. But. <laughs> Yo, this whole episode went out the window. You know that, right? <laughs> All nope. the black. I'm going to show them. Fuck it. We out, fuck it. We here. Hey, so and don't get me started on the picture where Catherine got legs and toes out. Like, that shit is just. Okay, uh, I'm done. Mm, you can follow me at CEO. Follow you on Twitter. There's a lot of conversations that just happened just now. Bro. You kicked down the door. <laughs> you can follow me at CEO Hayes. Uh, you can follow us collectively at The Breaks Radio. You can send us any feedback, questions, comments, concerns, thebreaksradio.gmail.com. We are the number one podcast for the culture, and this week, we're out. Peace. I got a feeling there's going to be a lot of concerns on this one. That's no, fine. Follow, That's fine. Follow that nigga Ma- on Twitter. Don't Mary, send Twitter this episode to Catherine immediately. I am. I'm about to bring Catherine next week. <laughs> Do it. Oh, yeah, I beat my face. Moving fast because I'm Uber on the way. Taking pictures, make sure you can see no less. That week secure like the money in a safe. I look like bear. Now I'm on the way. Let you know when I'm about a mile away. And when we pull up to the gate, girl, we so lit. I'm just with the crew. We ain't out here looking for boo. Cause some nights be better with you. It's a hope we slowly come.